Welcome to Open Source News. Don't forget to like, share, subscribe, and turn on the notifications bell so you don't miss out on real news. I have built a weapon system that nobody's ever had in this country before. We have stuff that you haven't even seen or heard about. We have stuff that Putin and she have never heard about before. Welcome to Open Source News. I am your host. My name is James, a.k.a. BCP. Appreciate you being here. That first clip I played for you was the audio that Bob Woodward had of his interview with President Trump. Now, if you recall, last year there was a whole big brouhaha about President Trump told Bob Woodward all kinds of secret classified information. All he said, and they were using that clip where he said, I've got stuff that Putin and she doesn't even know about. That's the kind of stuff that you do brag about as president. You're not saying anything. You're just saying that we've got stuff they don't even know about. And the chances are, as much as they spy on us, I'm sure we have some very good uh, weapons and retaliatory type counter offenses and intelligences that they don't know about. It was a very vague statement. But this is where we are in today's news. We have, uh, I'm reading here from Bloomberg, President Donald Trump is suing journalist Bob Woodward for releasing recordings of interviews that he gave to the journalist in 2019 and 2020, claiming he never agreed to those tapes being shared with the public. In a lawsuit filed today against Woodward, Simon & Schuster, Inc., and the publisher's parent company, Paramount Global, Trump claimed that although he had given Woodward consent to record their conversations for the sole purpose of a book, that didn't extend to packaging those recordings as an audiobook. This case centers on Mr. Woodward's systemic, or sorry, systematic usurpation, manipulation, and exploitation of audio of President Trump. This is what Trump's lawyers wrote. The complaint alleges violations of Trump's copyright interests and accuses Woodward and the publisher of unjustly profiting from the tapes. Trump is seeking just under $50 million in damages, $49 million from the other report I read. A figure his lawyers calculated assuming Woodward would sell 2 million copies of the audiobook at a download price of $24.99. Interesting how that's said right there, how that's done. I'm not going to digress, but if you know about my past... I have a degree in economics and I was my, my, my past career life, not my past, like it's something <laughs> nefarious. I was an economist that worked for Arthur Anderson. I did damage analysis and we did litigation support where company A sues company B and we build economic models to quantify and defend in court said damages that we should be paid. So this is pretty simple math here. And I assure you, if this goes to trial, they will bring in folks like myself. I I was an analyst that provide the information for the expert witness in court. Trump participated in 19 interviews in person or by phone with Woodward between December 2019 and August 2020, as well as in 2016 when he was still a candidate, according to the complaint. Woodward's book, Rage, published a month after the last interview. In October 22, Simon Schutz released an audiobook of the recording, The Trump Tapes. Now, there's some alleged selective editing going on here as well. The Bloomberg is reporting that in the case, Woodward is also accused of misrepresenting at least one of their exchanges in the audiobook by editing out portions of the full interview. 
Now, we know that Trump had complained about this uh, in the past. He went to Truth Social shortly after the audiobook came out, making the claim that he had never given Woodward permission. Woodward uh, told CNN that they were done voluntarily and it was all on the record. So here's how the case is going. Trump's attorneys, uh, Robert Garson and Yanina Zuberman, filed the case in the Pensacola Division of the U.S. District Court for the Northern District of Florida. Okay? So Trump, because he's in Mar-a-Lago and is in Palm Beach County, has typically filed these lawsuits in his home court, the Southern District of Florida. He's claiming jurisdiction in Pensacola, but he's, he's a Florida resident, and the defendants generally do business there. So this is a cool thing. He usually does it in the South, but he's doing it up in the Northern District, saying that the defendants generally do business up in that area. And guess and guess what? President Trump, obviously, he's got smart lawyers and smart people. And I think we're all tired of President Trump getting injustice because he goes to these corrupt judges and, and, and corrupt courts. Um, yeah, I'm talking to you, Southern District of New York and New York in general. The Pensacola Division's three judges who handle civil cases are all Republican nominees. You got Kent Wetherall II, who was nominated by Trump. You've got Casey Rogers, who was uh, confirmed uh, under President uh, George W. Bush. And then you've got Senior Judge Roger Vinson, who was nominated by President Ronald Reagan. He takes a smaller caseload, and it has been assigned to Vinson. So let's see what happens. Uh, President Trump doesn't have a great track record when it comes to suing journalists and and uh, and the media coverage as a whole, but he does have a pending $475 million uh, defamation lawsuit against uh, CNN, and he does have one of three cases uh, still pending. Uh, so in 2020, his campaign filed libel lawsuits against Washington Post, New York Times, and CNN, and a judge has yet to rule on the Post's motion to dismiss, but the other ones in New York and Georgia have been thrown out. So that's what President Trump is up to, and that is the latest lawsuit. Now, folks, we've got quite a bit of Trump news uh, in this episode, so let me get into it. But one of these is from last week, and bear with me, because this is actually me putting together something that I didn't quite understand. See, last week, and I didn't report on it because it was nonsensical to me, but Politico on the 25th, had this article, the private angst over Donald Trump's racist attacks on Elaine uh, Elaine Chow goes public. And then the the subheadline says, his rhetoric says a whole lot more about him than it will ever say about Asian Americans. I thought that was odd. I read that on Politico and I just, yeah, whatever, didn't report on it. wasn't that interesting. Then the next day, I saw a USA Today article on the 26th that says Elaine Chow speaks out about Donald Trump's racist comments on her. I'm thinking, where's this coming from? Well, I thought we were past the uh, Asian hate propaganda. I thought that had run its course already with the virus and all the other things that they were trying to pin President Trump as a racist against an Asian Americans, which is ridiculous. Then I remembered that last week as well, President Trump had published his a video about his plan to save American education and give power back to parents. And then I realized what's going on here. 
President Trump said something that's totally great for Asian Americans and not at all racist against Asian Americans. And so this is yet another attempt to spin the narrative. Let me play you what President Trump said, and then it all comes together why Politico and other leftist media outlets last week kind of went unnoticed. No one cared about it, but they were attempting to smear President Trump yet again as a racist against Asian Americans. Listen to what he said last week and tell me if this actually sounds racist. Our public schools have been taken over by the radical left maniacs. Here is my plan to save American education, restore power to American parents. First, we will cut federal funding for any school or program pushing critical race theory, gender ideology, or other inappropriate racial, sexual, or political content onto our children. We're not going to allow it to happen. Next, I will direct the Department of Justice and Education to open civil rights investigations into any school district that has engaged in race-based discrimination. That includes discrimination against Asian Americans. Wow. These absolute lying, fork-tongued bastards. President Trump is saying that he is going to, as part of his campaign, he's already campaigning, obviously, for 2024, that he is going to go to bat for Asian Americans who are discriminated against because of race-based diversity rules in school districts that because there's a lot of smart Asians, not a racist thing, it's a cultural thing. Asian families value education and they teach their children discipline so that they work hard in school. Okay, it's a cultural thing, not a racial thing. Because I have plenty of friends from Nigeria and guess what? Their kids are number one, number two, and number four in their class. Why? Because my Nigerian friends value education and their children sacrifice and take education very seriously. It's cultural. But of course, because of race-based admissions and favoritism or whatever, they lower the standards and give preference to people of certain races, blacks, Latinos, or other underserved communities. And they give them preference over people who merit getting into programs, schools, etc. based on race, much to the disadvantage of Asian Americans, families, and students who are working hard for scholarships, acceptance, admittance, etc. So President Trump literally goes against racist policies in the school districts that are going to help Asian Americans. And that is why last week we saw this thing once again using Elaine Chow. Elaine Chow, remember, is the wife of Rhino Supreme Mitch McConnell and was President Trump's transportation secretary. And yes, she has ties to China, and she's made a lot of money with her family and her father in, ship, in the shipping business. And pointing out her coziness with China is not racist. But that's why they were trying to put, paint him as a racist last week, because he literally was working for and in behalf of Asian Americans. Isn't that something? Okay, folks, there's a whole 
bunch of news here today on President Trump. Let's get into it. The uh, President Trump suing uh, Bob Woodward is just the tip of the iceberg. We have this as well. Trump used records request to hinder IRS releases of his tax returns. So you'll recall last year, literally about a month ago, right before the Democrats lost power and the GOP House was about to be sworn in and the power was transferring from Skeletor Nancy Pelosi over to the eventual after the week-long fight or so or five-day fight to get Ken McCarthy in there. They had released President Trump's tax returns. Well, we're finding out that uh, President Trump had used FOIA requests and some pretty unusual ways of slowing down and finding out what was really going on. And they're making a mountain out of this molehill. But let me break it down for you. President Trump had demanded information from the IRS as it was preparing to turn over his personal tax returns to that congressional committee. He did this by papering the agency with a deluge of Freedom of Information Act FOIA requests in search of a behind-the-scenes look at deliberations. That's what new documents are showing and is being reported today. Now, of course, President Trump smartly is always trying to drag out legal challenges and other things that the deep state was always trying to do against him. This is the same tactic that the IRS uses and the government uses against everyone else. The government has the full power and purse of taxpayer money to go after and bury people legally. That's why it's very scary to have the IRS come after you because they have the full weight and all the legal things to bury you in paperwork and then you've got to spend money defending yourself off times, false charges. And people settle and they get scared and it's very hard to compete with the government on that. But President Trump was able to do it. He used the public records request, the FOIA request, to get information from his own government. And yes, it is unconventional. Now, the article here is saying because as commander-in-chief and leader of the executive branch, he had numerous options to get data from federal agencies. But guess what? Those federal agencies were working against him. So he was using everything at his disposal, including the last resort, the last uh, resort tool of FOIA requests to get information. So, for example, the U.S. tax code gives a president special permission to request taxpayer information from the IRS. But Trump didn't go that route because they were fighting against him. He was ready to pay for the paperwork, says that he was willing to pay up to $30,000 in processing fees, which is more than the $25 agencies generally request to furnish the records. He filed uh, FOIA requests in 2019 and uh, again a few years later. And this is all has to do with the, with the Democrats trying to slow down the Democrats, getting FOIA requests and trying to figure out exactly what they were doing. He was trying to get information about what then House and Ways Means Chairman Richard Neal was doing with the Treasury Department and trying to get every access he could, both internally and using the FOIA requests. Now, there's a whole bunch of detail here, but let me just get to the bottom line here, okay? Tax lawyers often use FOIA requests to obtain information about internal deliberations over penalties, the appeals process, 
and other tax matters at the IRS. And President Trump was doing what other people do. This is not, they're trying to make a mountain out of a molehill. This is not out of the norm. It's just out of the norm that a president would do it because any other president would be able to ask for the information and get it. But guess what? It's out of the norm that the entire alphabet agency and the government would be working against the sitting president. So that is why he had to go that route. Oh, but that's not all, folks. We have also today that President Trump is facing new legal jeopardy because the Manhattan prosecutors convened a state grand jury to investigate any role he may have played in making hush money payments to you-know-who, Stormy Daniels, who's back in the news again. We are learning new details in the investigation into hush money payments to adult film star Stormy Daniels and Donald Trump's alleged involvement. Federal prosecutors even discussed potentially charging the then-president once he was out of office. Here we go again. Supposedly, Monday, the 30th, Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg's office was to begin presenting evidence to a grand jury, and that's according to a person familiar with the matter, who asked not to be identified because it isn't public, but is leaking this to the folks over at Bloomberg which is saying that Donald Trump faces a new legal jeopardy after Manhattan prosecutors convened this state grand jury to investigate any role he may have played in making hush money payments to a porn star on the eve of the 2016 election. Manhattan grand jury is reportedly hearing evidence in the case against Donald Trump allegedly paying hush money to porn star Stormy Daniels. The outcome of this grand jury could possibly lay the groundwork for possible criminal charges against the former president by the Manhattan District Attorney's Office. So Bragg has been investigating whether Trump and his company falsified records to conceal the payments to the pornographic film actor Stormy Daniels intended to keep her from going public about her alleged affair with Trump. Trump has denied the affair. Daniels claimed she received $130,000 before the 2016 presidential election in exchange for not discussing a sexual encounter with Trump. He's denied the claim. Once again, there was no there there, but they're still going after this. And what I find very, very interesting is that a CNN reporter just released a book about this recently as well. I think last week or in these last few days. So does this seem coordinated to you? A new book comes out and at the same time, they're now rehashing this same story. Why? Because that was the 2016, 2018 story. President Trump has just officially launched over the weekend his rallies and his going to those early primary states in his bid for the 2024 Republican Party nomination and the general election next year. Wow, does this all seem coordinated. So if we go back to 2018, the Southern District of New York, my former office, is getting ready to indict Michael Cohen on those hush money payments. Now, because Donald Trump was the sitting president at the time, they knew they could not indict him. However, the Southern District of New York prepared an indictment of Michael Cohen that laid out chapter and verse on Donald Trump's involvement in that hush money scheme that went into great detail how Donald Trump was the driver of it, the beneficiary of it, and really made clear that in their view, Donald Trump was criminally liable. That's right. The same Southern District of New York that has spawned all types of 
treasonous, traitorous, rat bastards like James Comey, Loretta Lynch, and the list goes on and on, including this CNN contributor and author of this book who happens to be publishing it at the same time that all of this Stormy Daniels story, they're trying to shove it down the American public yet again. And they're doing this through, once again, the deep state courts and DA Bragg, who is trying to resurrect a dead case. However, the bosses down at DOJ in Washington, D.C., what we used to call Maine Justice, found out about this and they stepped on it. They said, absolutely not. We're not putting all that detail in Michael Cohen's indictment about Donald Trump. As a result, we got this sanitized indictment of Michael Cohen that barely mentioned individual one. And the end result there was only Michael Cohen was ever prosecuted. Claims Trump's former lawyer, Michael Cohen, was sentenced to three years in prison for orchestrating hush payments to Daniels and to former Playboy model Karen McDougal. Of course, back when President Trump was in office, main DOJ would have been Sessions for a while, Matt Whitaker, and then AG Bill Barr. But they're no longer there. They have Merrick Garland. And we know that the corrupt DOJ and FBI are corrupt beyond our imagination. Going after Trump and Mar-a-Lago, but making secret agreements to hide the fact that a vice president and former senator who has no rights to any classified information, of course, talking about the Joe Biden garage gate scandal, is being hidden. And what they're trying to do here, folks, is attack President Trump, keep him consistently in the courts. They can consistently keep in their mockingbird Marxist media press stories of President Trump being in and out of court, been inundated with all his crimes, yet nothing has stuck because President Trump is innocent of everything they accuse him of, as Joe Biden and other Democrats are actually guilty of those things. It's an old Saul Alinsky tactic of the devil and the Satanists and the Luciferians and those demonic forces that follow the father of lies, Satan, accuse your opponent of what you're actually guilty of. So they got to keep him constantly in court. Oh, that also serves as a great distraction as we're looking at the soon to come, who knows exactly when, resignation of Joe Biden and handing over the keys over to his VP Harris as the mounting information comes out about the actual crimes of Joe Biden, right? Joe Biden has committed actual crimes. So now we're seeing a whole bunch of news and also resurrecting old news and putting President Trump yet again in court with grand juries, etc. It's maddening. The impaneling of a grand jury is a major escalation of Bragg's probe of Trump's activities, reviving a line of inquiry that appeared to take a backseat as a DA focused instead on tax violations at the Trump Organization. The investigation resulted in a guilty plea from the company's longtime chief financial officer, Alan Weisselberg, and the conviction of two Trump business units. But now that's done, so now they have to have a new thing to go after Trump with. And the clown show and the things continue, continue, continue. And folks, I got one last news story regarding the courts and legal woes of President Trump before we get into our last two stories, which will be a little bit more interesting. President Trump going after rhinos and his opponents like only President Trump does. But let me just knock this last story out so you're aware of what's going on. President Trump's 2016 campaign must disclose the amount of money 
it would pay to settle a long-running court fight with a former staffer over its non-disclosure agreements if it wants to go ahead with the deal a judge ruled. So what this is about is that there was an ex-staffer that had a non-disclosure agreement fight with President Trump. They reached a deal, and the numbers in that deal were redacted. But now a judge is saying that the campaign must reveal the monetary sum of the settlement. Of course, they never give President Trump a break. Donald Trump must disclose the amount of money it would pay to settle a long-running court fight with a former staffer over the NDA if it wants to go ahead with the deal a judge ruled. Lawyers for the Trump campaign and Jessica Denson reached a deal early this month to end the former workers' challenge to the validity of agreements that staffers, volunteers, and contractors had to sign to work on Trump's 2016 presidential bid. It is unclear if this latest development would affect that settlement becoming final. U.S. District Judge Paul Gardefi gave the parties until February 3rd to tell him if they wanted to proceed. One of Denson's attorneys, David Bowles, declined to comment. Lawyers for the campaign did not immediately return requests for comment. It was ordered, and a brief order entered on Monday. The judge wrote that the parties had failed to show that the circumstances of this case met the standards for keeping the information sealed. There is a presumption of public access to court filings that judges rely on in their decisions making. The only thing the judge would let them keep secret was a reference to a bank account number. So, there we go. Once again, the judge is ruling in favor of everyone, but not President Trump. All right, let's get to the last two stories in which President Trump is being President Trump. Okay, I don't know if you know who the Club for No Growth is, but it's a conservative organization that is linked to Karl Rove and other rhinos. And President Trump truthed out, people are wasting money if they support Karl Rove or Club for No Growth. The club was only successful when they asked to work with me on endorsements. We never had a loss, but broke up over J.D. Vance. They said he couldn't win and spent a fortune to prove their point. The commercials never ended. I said he would win, endorsed him, and he won big, and this against a tough opponent. I then continued to do more of the same against them, ended up with 233 wins out of 253 races in the general election. Remember, they try to paint President Trump as poison for the people that he backed in the general election, but the numbers prove otherwise, winning 233 out of 253 of his endorsements in the general election. Now, President Trump also went on to say that the Club for No Growth is a globalist group that I have been taking to the cleaners for years. We worked together for a period, but they couldn't get away from China, Europe, Asia, and parts unknown. They know I won't play that game. I am America first all the way. That's the only way we will make America great again. Ron DeSanctimonious, who I made governor in both the primary and the general, is also a globalist, and so are his donors. Jeb Low Energy Bush was next to him last week. Check passed. So, um, so there you go. President Trump has no love for Karl Rove and the J.D. Vance Senate run apparently was his last straw working with the elite group. Speaking of President Trump and DeSantis, President Trump remains the clear frontrunner for the Republican Party's 2024 presidential nomination despite wish-casting by the corporate media and establishment Republicans. 
Recent polling in the critical primary states of New Hampshire and South Carolina showed Trump establishing solid leads over all potential competitors. In New Hampshire, Trump has the support of 37% of primary voters, followed by Florida Governor Ron DeSantis with 26%. Uh, Rhino, New Hampshire Governor Sununu is at 13%, the only other person who reaches double digits. The story in South Carolina is similar, showing Trump with a slightly larger lead over DeSantis. The former president has 43 to DeSantis' 28. Trump, back in 2016, easily won the New Hampshire and South Carolina primaries on his way to the GOP nomination. So there you have it, folks. All the Trump news from Monday, January 30th, with an observation of the uh, President Trump is racist against Asian American story from last week. If you appreciate me bringing you these news items and you're watching this on YouTube, please like, share, and subscribe. If you're listening to this in podcast format, make sure that you follow and that you continue to support us by downloading and listening to this podcast. We have other shows. Look at the links down below for information about that, our other show, BCP Unfiltered. Until the next one, ciao, goodbye, and God bless. We need a fighter who can stand up to the left, who can stand up to the swamp, stand up to the media, stand up to the deep state. Am I allowed to say stand up to the rhinos too? I think we can say that. I think we can say that. Thanks for joining us on Open Source News. Don't forget to like, share, subscribe, and turn on the notifications bell so you don't miss out on any real news.